Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. There's something about doing throwbacks and going back to old memories because you remember these songs and uh, something about music, something about uh Music will take you back to a certain era. It'll take you back to a certain memory, to a certain place. There are certain songs that, uh, that will take me back to certain experiences. Throwbacks have a way of, of taking you places. And I, I want to take some time very quickly this morning, if I can first find uh, my notes and everything will be okay, uh, kind of go through all the different uh, things I have on this uh, iPad that we're Loaded up, but I want you to take a look at this. A throwback is this it's a sudden reminder of the past, it's a look back, it's a reminder, it's something that we, we kind of look back to or reminisce about. And there's a time that we would all like to go back to, as I shared earlier a, a time where we were skinnier, a time that we had better relationships, a time when we were younger. And I'd like to go back to, for me personally, I'd like to go back to uh, this right here. I'd like to go back to when she was small. Uh, that's my baby girl, Jacqueline. I'd love to go back to those cheeks and when she would run and, and hug and just, just love on me. Now they're grown up and, you know, only time they come to you is when they need money. And so I'd love to go back. I'd love to go back to this time. I mean, I, I wish I would when I was big, not when uh, she was small, but when I was big. I'd like to go back to those days. <laughs> Of my, of my college GQ day and, and so forth. And that's me and my friend, uh, John Marillo. And uh, he says, we should, I, I told him we should do an after picture now to see how bad we look compared to where we were then. Or we'd like to go back to maybe our athletic achievement days. Uh, certain day, certain time. Uh, for those of you that don't know who that is, that's the one that just won our contest. Joseph Rosalind. Looking good, man. Got them, you, got, you got the duck lips going on there, man, like people do when they take selfies. Looking good. <laughs> or go back to this time here when you were small. And for those of you that don't know who that is, that's the guy that didn't show up for the game show in the first service. That's Jonathan Nuia. Nuia. We won't do the next one. We'll skip over the next one. For, we'll use that one for the next service. But throwback is a, a, is a go, going back to a certain moment of life. Now, I want you to take a look at this throwback. Well, when we talk about this message, Gallup did a poll. And it began, every year they do a poll that talks about the church and takes time to talk about religious activities. And I want you to notice this Gallup poll. Back in 1949, Gallup did a poll. And over 91% of Americans identified with Christianity at the time. 91% of Americans identified with Christianity at that point. Now in 2015, we have 62% of Americans that say they're members of a church. Not necessarily identifying with Christianity, they just attend church somewhere. 44% of those Americans who are claimed to be faithful at church attenders. And when we say faithful, they, at, they attend at least once a week. They're not the once a month attenders. They're not the uh, you know, uh, CEOs, the Christmas and Easter uh, attenders. They are the, they are the, the ones that they're, they're more consistent. They believe that it's an important part of their lives. 32% of these individuals said this, 
that they believed that religion was increasing in its influence in the world today. However, of those Bible-believing, Bible-based people, uh, of of people that were interviewed, 61% say that the church is losing influence as as well as them saying that not only are we losing influence, but that we as a church are not giving an answer to the problems that the world is facing today. And if you look around this room this morning and you see the empty seats next to you, it is vital and it's rea- there's a reality. Is that there are pro- how many know that there are problems in the world today? And I, I don't know how many people I go through, people that I meet on a weekly basis, a daily basis, that are struggling in their marriage, they're struggling in their finances, they're dealing with sicknesses in their body, they're dealing with bipolar issues, they're dealing with mental issues, they're dealing with children problems, they're dealing with emotional problems, they're going through all these struggles, addictions in life and so forth, and yet with all the problems going on in the world, no one's coming to the church for answers. It's not a lack of problem. It is a lack of answers. And that there's an issue that's going on in mind. And I wonder that when Jesus made this statement, if this is what he had in mind, is this what he had in mind when Jesus said this in the book of Matthew chapter 16? He says this. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and that means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it somebody say amen Amen. and so there's a there's a plan there's a church that God had in mind to build Jesus had a church in mind but I need you to understand that longevity without a dream for tomorrow is not a celebration it's a funeral we celebrated 15 years since Christian Worship Center Many of you are on Facebook, on social media, you mark different milestones you've had in your marriage. But I need you to understand, how long you tolerate each other doesn't mean you have a great marriage. Just the fact that you're too stubborn to leave him doesn't mean you have a great marriage. Just because you've been coming to church for 40 years, if you still have the same issues you walked in with, then it's not making, it's not making any progress. There's no, nothing happening here. And so I need you to understand the fact that we've celebrated 15 years doesn't mean a, mean a thing, really. It just means that I've been too stubborn to close the doors of the church. That may be times that we should have. I'm just not that smart. I'm more stubborn at times than I am smart. Progress without milestones is distance without direction. And I wonder how many times that we've just gone so far on our current journey with nowhere to go, but we refuse to change our direction that we're going just because we've been on that road so long. Say it again, Pastor. We, we've, we've been traveling and we're making, you know, it's like that person that says, you know, we're, we're heading in the wrong direction, but we're making great time. And if your goal is to get to Disneyland and you are driving and you see the Space Needle in Seattle, you realize that I'm not going the direction I'm supposed to be going. Somewhere along the way, if you're trying to get somewhere, you're going to have to turn around. And that's what repentance meant. It meant to change directions. Now, with that in mind this morning, as we get into this new series on throwback, we're going to answer in the next few weeks these questions. We're going to answer who is CWC. 
I mean, you, you don't join a church because you like the music or the pastor or the preaching or, or even the, the ambiance. You join a church, you, you, you partner with the ministry because you believe in the vision. You, you don't partner with the pastor, you partner with the father. You don't join a church, you join a family. You, you come together with the vision of that body. You find a place that your tools, your giftings, your abilities are able to help push the church forward. And if all you do is attend, but you don't add, then there's an issue that you need. I need to either give you a message this morning to encourage you to go down the street and find a church that you can get involved with or to step up your involvement at the place that you're in right now. Because I wonder, is this the church that Jesus had in mind when he died on the cross for it? Are we, would Jesus even recognize this as the church? And so this morning, we're, we're going to talk about when Jesus comes back, will he recognize the church? Number three, what did the early church look like? We're going to take a look at the book of Acts and see what the early church looked like uh, as opposed to where we're at today. We're going to talk about what do I look like? How do I look like as a believer compared to the early believers of the Christian church? Am I doing religion or am I literally walking the life that Jesus died for? Am I literally walking in the path that Christ intended us to walk? It's not about coming to church. It's about having Christ live in you. And are we walking a new existence? Are we becoming a new person? What did Jesus look like? How did Jesus look? How did he respond to issues? How did he deal with things around? How did he deal with the sinners? I need you to understand. Things today aren't worse than they were when Jesus walked the earth. They were dealing with famine. They were dealing with economic issues. They were dealing with morality issues. They were dealing with, with, with violence. They were dealing with wars, just like we are. Things haven't changed. They're still dealing with the same issues. But Jesus responded to every struggle, every crisis, every sinful individual or situation with love, understanding, and compassion. That was the difference. It was how he responded to it. But Jesus never condoned sin. Even after they found the woman caught in adultery, in the act of adultery, after he loved her and protected her, he didn't say, now go, go find another dude to sleep with. He said, hey, sweetheart, go, go sin no more. So I need you to understand that many times we placed our opinions over the word of God. Say it again, Pastor. We put our opinions over the word of God. That's the problem is that many times what we've ended up with in church today, in churches across America, are people's idea of what the word of God is instead of sticking to the word of God. When I give you my opinion, I'll let you know. But when we're talking about the, the, the black and white, the, 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 the foundations of the church, we have to stay close to what Jesus intended. We have to stick to what Jesus intended. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but listen, go ahead and stop because that, that clap sucked. I want you to understand something. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give my life to something that doesn't mean anything. If we're not going to make a difference and we're not going to make a change, let's just stay on, in bed on Sunday mornings. If we're not going to bring about a transformation, if we're just going to go through the motions, if we're going to come here, sing a couple songs, walk out the door and not transform our lives, then why? let's just close the doors. I would rather stay home and watch NFL football on Sunday mornings anyhow. But if we're going to be who God called us to be, then there has to be a transition and transformation and understand that Sundays is our rallying point, that true church starts when we walk out these doors. 
So what did Jesus look like? And number six, what did what are we doing what Jesus intended the church to do? I don't want to face Jesus at the end of it all and say, man, you know, when I'm standing there in judgment and Jesus look at me and say, you know what? Great job having services, but that's not what I intended the church to be. Yeah, you preached some great messages. You made people laugh. You made some people cry. You got some people to pray a prayer, but that's not what the church was intended to be. You turned into a Frankenstein what I meant to be something else. Do you hear my heart this morning? I want us as a family to make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do. It's not enough. This isn't a business. This is a church. And we have to be about our father's business. We have to be in line with who God called us to be. And that doesn't mean just pastor. Why do I not have affairs? It's because I am so scared of my wife. Now, I am so afraid... <laughs> I am so afraid of letting not only my family down, letting my wife down, but letting you down as well. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't, I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell for doing those things. I don't do those things. The reason why is because there's people in our church that struggle with those issues. And if they see their pastor doing those things, they might struggle with those things more. Now, does it mean that I, I, don't enjoy, I don't enjoy the smell of a cigar or I don't enjoy certain things? I, I, might, I might enjoy it. I might be in, inclined to want to do so, but I refuse to do anything that is going to affect someone else around me and it's going to keep them from getting to heaven. Now, I don't, have, I don't want you to clap for me. Oh, pastor is really struggling for us. He's really, he's really going through the battles. That's not what I'm saying. Hear, hear my heart here. I want, to make, I, want, I want you this to affect you. I want your life to be better because you're part of CWC. I want your life to be better because you're part of this family. I want your life to change, your quality of life to get better. I want your finances to be blessed. I want your marriage to be blessed. I want your kids to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. I want the people around you to be blessed. I don't want you just to come to my church and then have the church numbers grow. That's not what it's about. It's about you transforming into the image of Christ. It's about you living with joy that unspeakable and full of glory. It's about you being able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's an effect. It's having an encounter with God that will transform your life. This is what I'm talking about. And when Jesus said, I will build my church, everyone say church. church. Everyone say church. I want you to know, he says, when I build my church, Ecclesia, we've talked about this before. He wasn't talking about a building. This isn't a church. It's a theater. That the church is you. He said, I will build my church. He's talking about a group of, of influencers. And when he used that word, ecclesia, that word is the Greek word, ecclesia, was talking about a Roman govern, governing body that would come together whenever there was crisis in the city, whenever there was a problem in the city, they would call the ecclesia together. And they were all the financial minds. They were all the influencers. They were the people in the city that had the answers. And so whenever there was a crisis in the community, they called the ecclesia together and they would come together in the city square and all the ecclesia the called out everyone say called out 
they would call them out and they would step out of their homes into the open square of the city and the ecclesia, the church, would come together and they would begin to work on whatever the famine was, whatever the crisis was, whatever the condition was, whatever the problem was, the ecclesia came together and they came up with the solution to meet the need of the problem that their community was facing. They came together to be the answer, not to cause the problem. You know, here at CWC, we'll talk about this a bit more later, but Jesus said, love the Lord your God, the great commandment, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Then he said, the second is just as great, he says, Love your neighbor as yourself, right? The great commandment. But then he also gave us the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Not get them to say a prayer, make disciples. In other words, train them, transform them. Get them to, to operate with a certain mindset, to be a transformed person. Now come to church, become a disciple, We've taken being a disciple into what church I attend. That's quiet in here. I don't know if you're catching this. You want me to do a little dance? You want me to have uh, Reverend Troy come back up and make you laugh a little bit? Because this is serious. I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. I want you to grab a hold of this. That's why CWC stands for love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Our, our mission statement, our model, our, our statement of purpose has been put together and designed after the three most important things Jesus said. Love the Lord your God. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. Go and make disciples of all nations and change the world. That's who we are. That's who we are. And if you're trying to figure out, well, I like the music. Listen, it's not about the music. It's about the purpose. It's not about my preaching. It's about the purpose. It's not about the ministry. It's about the purpose. It's not about the building. Can you align with the vision? Can you align with the purpose? Can you come into agreement with what God called us to do? Because otherwise, just join the Moose Lodge if you're looking for a club. Need, well, you're not, you don't have enough activities for me. It's not, a, it's not up to me to have activities to keep you busy. I'm not, I'm, not the, I'm not the activities coordinator on the love boat. It's not my responsibility to create activities for you. My responsibility is to stir a hunger for God in you. At the conclusion of our lives, my friends, as we, as we get, get ready to, to, to move on here, you are not going to be judged based on your income. You're going to be judged based on your impact. What impact have I made on the lives of those around me? Turn your Bibles with Matthew chapter 9. And Vivi, if you would help me out a little bit. Don't, don't, don't put us to sleep, bro, okay? Don't give, me, don't give me elevator. Give me a little love, okay? <laughs> I want you to notice something here. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to close in a moment, so stay, stay with me. You still with me this morning? 
Matthew chapter 9, I want you to notice, it's this series that is going to be amazing. I really believe this series is going to be amazing. Matthew 9, 9, it talks about the story of Jesus coming in, uh, coming in contact with the tax collector. Everyone say tax collector. tax collector. If there was a group of people that were hated, despised, considered to be the worst of the... Think about the worst sinner that you could think of today in your mind. And times that by 99. And you begin to get in your idea the way the Jews looked at a tax collector. Think about the child molester. Think about the, 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 the abuser, the murderer of children. Think about the most vile, heinous thing in your own mind. And I'm not judging whether God can forgive or not. I'm just saying right now in your mind, trying to give you a balancing point, trying to give you something to measure this up against, to try to figure out in your mind what you consider to be the most heinous thing. And this is what a tax collector was to the Jews because they, they were under domination to the Roman government. And the Roman government government would put up for auction the ability to collect taxes for them and Jewish predominant Jewish families would then bid on the ability to be able to collect taxes from the Jews and when that family would would, would get would, would do so they would then hire people to come in and take those taxes for them but what they would do is a tax collector would go out and collect the taxes but it didn't matter how much they collected as long as Rome got their cut they didn't, didn't mind it didn't matter to them what the uh, tax collector went out and got. So the tax collector would add his service fee on top of it. So he wouldn't just take what was required. He would take what was required and then maybe double what the tax was. And they would get it because of the fact that they were under Roman authority and they were able to take. So they were looked at as like they, they were they were just like a modern day thugs. They were like the, the mafia. They were coming in. You had to pay them or you were in trouble. And that's how, this is how they looked at them as traitors to their nation. And then Jesus comes around in verse 9. And as Jesus was walking, he saw a man named Matthew. What was his name? And he was sitting at his tax collector booth. Why? He was a tax collector. So he's collecting taxes. People are coming to him and paying. And it was at his job. Jesus walks in right downtown to San Francisco to the Transamerica building, takes the elevator to the top floor, and he sees tax, the tax collector there doing his job, and he tells him this, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, I want you to understand that you, you, got, you got to see what's happening. Matthew was one of the last of the disciples called. So Jesus has with him Peter, James, John. He has a guy by the name of Judas who's later on going to betray him. Who is a Jewish zealot, which is like a terrorist. They hated Rome at all costs. And many of them followed Jesus because they thought Jesus was going to become a king on earth. And so they were looking for Jesus to establish his earthly kingdom. And now as Jesus, they're seeing this come together. Jesus has this supernatural power and he has this ability. He has a magnetism to be able to draw people in. He has the ability to speak to crowds. And they're, they're like, man, this guy's doing some great things. 
We, we've connected. It, he has influence. We have influence. He gets to the throne. We're going to rule. And so they're, they're getting excited about what's going on. They're rock stars. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is walking by, and they're like, man, this team is great. We got a couple fishermen, a couple businessmen. We got, we got some, some pretty radical guys. You know those guys at church that are barely saved? The, the, those barely saved friends that when you need to do something, you know, you backslide, you lie. They backslide, they kill somebody. You always need those kind of individuals that just, uh, they're, they're barely saved. They're the friends that you're, your sinner friends that are, they love God. They, 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 I got a few of those, okay? And so, but anyhow, they, they, they're looking at their team. They're like, we got a good team here. This is good. And then Jesus calls him. If, if anything disrupted the flow of the family called the disciples is when Matthew joins. I want you to, it, it, there's something very important about this as I close. I want you to recognize CWC is much like the disciples. Do you know that every follower of Christ was a sinner? Pretty bad sinners too. Matthew was probably the worst of them all. Out of all these individuals, they were sinners. And I love what Matthew chapter 9 verse 10 says. After Jesus calls him, Jesus is chilling with Matthew at his house now. Bad enough he calls him, now he's at his house. And not only is he at his house, he's there with a bunch of other tax collectors. And so he's not just dealing with one sinner. He's with all the sinner friends. And Jesus is sitting there and the Pharisees, the religious people come by. And they walk over and they're, they're looking at Jesus' disciples. And you know Jesus' disciples are having a hard time with this. They're struggling. Because they're not even at the banquet. They're outside the banquet hall. They're good Jews. They would not be caught dead inside that house. And yet when the Pharisees ask the question, Jesus turns around and says, it's not for the well I've come, but for the sick. You imagine how Matthew's feeling about that time? Matthew's just been called by Jesus. He's throwing this banquet and Jesus says, hey, I came for the sick. Matthew, you know you're sick, right? You know you're jacked up. You know you're messed up, right? You know, that's the funny thing is, is that you know you're messed up. You know you're sick. You know you need Jesus. And you know what the great thing about being sick is? Is that when we're jacked up, when we're messed up from the floor up, is that who's, that is who Jesus came for. He came for sinners. He came for those very people. If a tax collector, I believe is what Jesus is saying, if a tax collector can be one, anyone can be one. Because those are the hardest ones in those days. He'd have to give away the, the finances. Secondly, they were all unbelievers. All of them were unbelievers. Not, not one of these individuals believed in who Jesus was. I, I want the, how, he asked the question, how long must I be with you? Check this out. Even at the Last Supper, I want you to notice these three scriptures. Matthew 26, you don't need to turn there, but in Matthew 26, take a look at this. Jesus is uh, 
Before we get to that, let me, let me just say this. Let me, let me kind of back out. Jesus says this at, at the Last Supper. He says, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going is to betray me. And the Bible says that all 12 of them, not only Judas, all 12 of them looked at each other and said, is it I? You wouldn't ask that question unless you had that ability in you to betray. And every one of them questioned because they were questioning Jesus' decisions. They weren't sure about where he was going. And they stop and they begin to question. And here I want you, take, take a look at this. Not only did they question that, but even after the resurrection, three years of being with Jesus, they're still questioning. One denies him three times. One betrays him one time. And at the base of the cross, all of them abandoned him. So, so check this out. In, in, in Matthew 26, verse 22, he says, Greatly distressed, each one of them turned and said, Am I the one, Lord? When he asked them, one of, one of you is going to betray me. The next scripture, 26, 56, at that point, all the disciples fled and deserted him. All of them. If you were to judge Jesus' success at that moment, he failed. Don't judge me while I'm on the journey. Judge me when I complete the journey. And there's many of you that are being judged right now while you're on the cross. You're at your cross moment right now and there's no one around you. You're by yourself. You're going through the sacrifice. You're going through the struggle and everyone's deserted you and you feel like a failure right now. I'm here to tell you, hold on. Don't be judged when you're in the middle of the process. It's not over yet. But they all desert him, verse 20, chapter 28, verse 17. But when they saw him, they worshiped him. This is after he raised from the dead, folks. But some of them doubted. What? You've been walking with them for three years. He walked on water. He raised a dead man. He, he, he took fish and he multiplied it. He raised a little girl. He was on a cross, dead, put in a tomb three days. He came out three days later and you still doubt. It's like, what, what's wrong with you guys? But you know what's so cool? That's us. How many times has God met your need when you prayed? Been there when you were struggling? Came through and walked on water in the midst of your storm? Multiplied when you were broke and stepped in and raised you up when you were dead and didn't have any ability to go on? Well, and, and yet every time we find ourselves in a new struggle, we doubt. They were all unbelievers, distressed, deserted, and doubted. So I simply want to say this. Last thing, number three. CWC is made up of sinners. Somebody say amen. amen. Unbelievers. I know because every time we collect offering, I see some of y'all. <laughs> you don't believe the promises of God. Come on. If you believe the promises of God in the area of giving... We would have to tell you to stop giving because we have too much. But it's your, you don't trust God enough, so you hold on. If you knew that God was a healer, you would trust him. Uh, well, 
unbelievers. That's number three. But CWC is also, like the disciples, are made up of people who responded to an invitation for relationship. And when Jesus came to Matthew, he was just saying this, don't don't join my religion. Follow me. Let's hang out together. Like Adam did with God in the garden. Let's walk together. I want you to know that invitation still stands today. Listen, if you're a sinner, CWC's for you. If you're an unbeliever, CWC's for you. But more importantly, if you respond to this invitation for relationship, not religion, relationship, God wants to have a relationship with you. It's what he's wanted from the beginning. Not about rules and do's and don'ts, but it's about what I get to do, what he wants to give and do through me. That invitation's open to you today. Sometimes we think because I'm a sinner, it removes me from God. Yeah, it does. But the invitation is what puts everything back in order again. All you have to do is receive it. That's it. We have the mentality, let me get my life in order and then I'll commit myself to God. God doesn't want leftovers. Let God put it together. So if you've ever sinned, ever doubted, If you've ever failed, then you're in the right place. You are in the right place. Now, in the weeks to come, I'm going to tell you that's not where we stay. But for today, I want you to know the invitation to relationship still stands. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.